You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great, thanks. It's lovely to be here. Thanks very much for the welcome. Um, Do you want that? Um, So really great time of worship, really great words brought to us as well. That was really, really encouraging. Uh, I'm just going to pray and then we'll kick off. Lord, we love to lift your name up. We love to fix our eyes on you. What a great time of worship. What great words we've heard this morning. I pray that as we come to your word, we will continue to fix our gaze on you. And that our hearts will be open to what your Holy Spirit would reveal to each of us this morning. Give us ears to hear what you want to say, Lord. Don't let me get in the way. It's all about you, Father. Bless our morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So if I've not met you before, I'm Anna. I am a teacher by trade. So my my day job is standing in front of various groups of children normally and teaching. So this isn't, um, you know, abnormal for me, but I will confess I do get a bit nervous standing in front of you. And I shouldn't, should I? You're all family. We're all friends here. So uh, I'll try and put the nerves to one side. Um, But teaching is, is a bit different to this. In my classroom, no one would get up and leave without permission. So... I will try, if you have to leave, I will understand, because we're all adults here, and I will try not to look at you, because I, there may be an accidental glare, teacher glare that I give you, okay? So I know people's names come up, you have to go out and see to children, etc. You know, maybe give me a wave or a thumbs up on your way out the door, I will try not to look at you. Okay. We're going to be talking about baptism this morning and then baptizing three people, which is so exciting. Angelica, Matthew, and Fanny, we are so behind you this morning. It's great. Uh, So the baptism pool's here, slowly cooling down, uh, ready for that. And we're going to read this morning about Jesus' baptism. So we'll be turning to uh, Mark's gospel and following from Mark 1, verse 1 to 11. And really, this morning exploring the significance of Jesus himself getting baptized. We believe here that when we are followers of Jesus, we are those who, like Jesus, are baptized in water. And I'm really glad yesterday that Yvette made that dish. I'm really glad today that John brought that word because all week I have been praying that there would be revelation this morning. So whoever you are, whatever your faith journey, that there would be something new and fresh revealed to you this morning. So if you are here, you're not a Christian, you're a guest, you're a visitor, I hope you feel very welcome, and I hope that God reveals to you this morning something of his love for you. If you're a Christian here this morning, but you, have, you haven't been baptized then my prayer is that there'd be a fresh revelation of the significance of baptism to your walk with Christ. And if you are a Christian and you have been baptized at some point, perhaps even decades ago, I'm praying for fresh revelation for you. Um, I to know the joy of that occasion, to be reminded of the joy of your salvation and what it means to your mission as a Christian. So let's read uh, Mark 1, 1 to 11. I'm reading from the, the NIV version. 
And uh, I'm not going to read the subheadings. I'm just going to read the verses there. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Israel went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I really like Mark's gospel. I really like his account. His book gets straight into Jesus' adult life, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. The other three gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John, they all begin with quite detailed accounts of Jesus' birth. But Mark doesn't mention this. He gets straight in uh, introducing John the Baptist at preparing the way for Jesus, as was predicted in Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament. So in those days, um, the area was under Roman rule, and any important Roman official of this day was always preceded by an announcer or a herald. So imagine you're that important that anywhere you go, somebody's you know, coming ahead of you announcing your arrival. That's yeah, it's pretty impressive, isn't it? Imagine that in Costa. <laughs> well... Because Mark's audience was primarily Roman Christians, he starts his book with this announcer, with this herald, with John the Baptist. Um, possibly the Roman Christians would have been more interested in this messenger than, than details about his birth. This man who was preparing the way for Jesus. So in the next 20 minutes or less, I'll be pulling three main ideas from this passage. The baptism itself, Jesus' baptism, the dove, and joy. And there'll be a resp- uh, an opportunity for us all to respond at the end. So baptism first. Today we have a pool, uh, but what was baptism all about in biblical times? The Old Testament tells us that the priests had to be ritually clean in order to serve at the tabernacle. And the Israelites, who became ritually unclean, had to restore that situation with the passing of time and also with this ritual bath, this bathing of their whole body in a ritually clean ceremonial water. And this is all laid out and detailed in Leviticus, in Leviticus 15. Later, when the temple was built, 
it was necessary for everyone to be immersed in the mikvah, as it was called, uh, to become ritually clean before they em- entered the temple. And there's these ancient baths, these ancient mikvah, all over Jerusalem now. You can still see uh, with a clear set of steps on one side down into the pool where you'd go in your impure state, and then you'd come out the other side up another little set of steps where you'd emerge fresh and ritually clean, reborn, if you like. So as well as the ritual described in the Old Testament to the Jewish tradition, it was also important if you were converting to Judaism. So if you decided you were converting, perhaps for marriage or for some other reason, men would go through circumcision and men and women would have this ritual bath, this mikvah. And then you would be part of the family of God. So in the New Testament, as Mark is uh, talk, sorry, not, yeah, as, as Mark's talking in his gospel, we're introduced to John, who's preaching this message that people should repent of their sins and take this bath. He was preaching to Jews, to the Jewish people, who already considered to be part of the people of God the family of God, the chosen ones. They were already familiar with this idea of baptism. But John is saying to these people who are already in God's people, you need the bath. You need to repent of your sins. You need the bath of the Gentiles to show that you have repented of your sins and turned to God for forgiveness. This is the way to enter his kingdom. This is, this is quite offensive. This could be quite offensive to the, to the Jewish ear. Lots of people did as he preached and were baptized. But I hope you're hearing this was, this was suggesting that the temple system is being superseded. John really is preparing the way for someone far greater than him. This was all pointing to Jesus. This is what you need to be right with God. So then in verse 9, when Jesus comes along and he himself has this bath of John, this bath of the Gentiles, he's identifying with sinful man, with those not in the kingdom of God, with those not in the people of Israel, with those in need of forgiveness. Although he never sinned, he never needed forgiveness, he gets baptized. So Jesus took the bath of the Gentile, even though he didn't have to do it. The one whose John's um, baptism pointed towards was baptized himself. The only reason he gives for it, it's written in Matthew's version of events, is to fulfill all righteousness. That's remarkable, isn't it? That's the only reason he gives. It's another reason why the Jewish rulers of the time would have had a bit of a problem with Jesus. He is already setting himself out to identify with those who know they are sinners rather than those who think they are righteous. He's already doing it. Before he then goes and spends time with tax collectors, speaks with prostitutes, eats with sinners, at his baptism, at the beginning of of his ministry on earth, he sets the example 
And the last command, so that's at the very beginning of his ministry, the last command that he gives his disciples at the end of his time on earth was this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. His disciples took this on, believed it so strongly, that the first time that they went and preached and somebody asked, what do we need to do to be saved? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit The promise is for you, he said, and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's from Acts. They say, repent and be baptized, exactly what Jesus had said to them. So baptism is a big deal. It is a declaration to the world and also to the spiritual realm that you are identifying with Jesus and he has identified with you. It is dying to yourself and declaring Jesus is Lord of my life. It is turning away from sin and declaring my sins are forgiven. I repent from everything I know is wrong and I accept Jesus' forgiveness. So if you've not been baptized in water, I'm hoping you're feeling a little bit challenged right now. If you're a Christian and you haven't been baptized, I'm going to make this really easy for you and put someone's phone number on the screen there. (laughs) Just get your phone out now. Put the number in or take a quick, you know, photograph. Pete would love to hear from you. Wouldn't you, Pete? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) When we are followers of Jesus, I'll just say this bit again, we are those who, like Jesus, are baptized in water. Okay, let's move on to the dove. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. John saw this, and it's the reason he knows that Jesus was the Messiah. He is certain of it. He says in John, in John's gospel, when then John gave this testimony, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. He saw it. Behold, the Son of God, the one who takes the sin of the world. He can say so confidently because he's seen the dove come. The Spirit of God descend on Jesus. The Holy Spirit brings certainty. We've already heard that this morning. He can work in supernatural ways that we can't explain. Before this moment in Jesus' life, he's been 
uh, a man. He's been a boy and then a man growing up as a human. At 12 years old, uh, his parents go back to find him at the temple steps. They mislaid him for a, for a time. And he's sitting and talking to the rabbi about who he is. Even at 12, he knows his identity. He knows who his father is in heaven, and he knew his identity. But at his baptism, something significant happens. Something changes. There's a significant moment there for Jesus, and I believe today a significant moment there for Fanny, for Matthew, for Angelica. For years, Jesus had been a carpenter in Nazareth, and after his baptism, after this moment with the dove descending on him, we see him start his ministry. He starts to heal people. He starts to raise the dead to life. He starts to speak to people. He starts, he's loving people. He's releasing people from the demonic, all by the power of the Holy Spirit. He now lives by the Spirit of God. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We can't decide for Jesus on our own. Let's not kid ourselves on that. We need the Spirit of God to come upon us, to allow our eyes to see Jesus for who he really is. It's the Holy Spirit that enables us to receive faith, to believe, to read scripture, to pray, to repent. We need the Spirit. He's the one who helps us. He brings gifts. It's described like um, tongues of fire in Acts when uh, the apostles meet together at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit empowers, enables, emboldens us to do what Jesus did. I feel like I should have Pete's number up there again, just in case there's any more questions about the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, But there will be a prayer team available after the service. So if you would like to pray with someone or have someone pray for you, I'd really encourage you to come over. And if you've got more questions, they'd be really happy to help you. Okay, lastly, let's move on to joy. When I was reading this passage from Mark, I was just really struck by what God the Father said to Jesus at his baptism when the heavens tore apart and that voice came down. He said in the NIV version, it says, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And I looked up some other versions, which hopefully will be on the screen, um, just to see what what other language, uh, how other translations uh, sound. And you bring me great joy. My cherished one and my greatest delight is in you. In you I am well pleased and delighted. And I am pleased with you. Now it's quite possible that God the Father was saying he was pleased with who Jesus had become. Luke tells us that um, in Jesus' youth and his young adulthood, he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. So the father could have been expressing his pleasure for the ministry that uh, he was just about to begin, for his godly character, for his spiritual maturity. But the phrase, with him I am well pleased, also indicates 
how God had chosen Jesus to be the Messiah. He was the chosen one. As Matthew and Angelica and Fanny identify with Christ this morning, the Father is filled with joy. That's why it's such a celebration. Now, it doesn't mean that after today, um, there'll be no pain, there'll be no suffering, there'll be no angst and struggle. We, We will continue to have ups and downs. But God... But God is the source of joy, just as he is the source of love, the source of truth, the source of mercy. Joy is both a description of God and also a description of what he gives. God gives us joy because he is joy. So with joy, in a little while, we're going to listen to three testimonies, stories of how these three people have become part of God's family. With joy, we're going to witness their baptism, their bath, their rebirth into God's kingdom. With joy, we're going to recall our own baptism, if you've been baptized, and celebrate our own salvation. And with joy, we're going to join them in worshiping afterwards. So, here's the thing. I've been praying for revelation. You know, in in 20-odd minutes, there's not... I don't have the words to speak to everybody's heart, but the Holy Spirit can. I was praying for revelation for for everyone here today. So whether you were baptized as a believer years ago, whether you're a Christian who hasn't yet taken the plunge into that pool, or whether you're here as a non-believer, you just walked into the wrong lecture hall this morning. (laughs) Or the right one. I'd love it if we could all stand, if if you're able, and all hold your hands out if you're comfortable to do that, if you're willing. I'm going to pray for all of us right now. But this is your chance to come before God, to respond to what you've heard, to respond to what the Holy Spirit has said directly to you this morning. Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill us right now. For some of us, our prayer might be of repentance. You've been stirred this morning to do what Jesus commanded of his followers. Repent. Repent and be baptized. Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Come and enter my life. Break in, Lord. I need you. I'm sorry I haven't spoken to you for a while. For some of us, our prayer might be asking the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. Asking, please, I can't do this alone. The dove, refresh. Lord, I've been reminded of your mighty power living within me. Stir me again. Lord, Holy Spirit, please come. And for some of us, and maybe for all of us, this is, it's been a mixture of all these prayers. Our prayer is one of thanks. 
Oh, Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you set the example for me. Thank you that you delight in me, that you have chosen me, that I can come with empty hands and your love is enough. Thank you that you are my source of joy. We pray all these prayers in the name of Jesus.